right. So Isaiah 45 is a good place. We'll start and we'll see how far we can get uh, through this tonight. So um, in your Bible, uh, the word earth is stated 906 times throughout the entirety of the Bible. So for the Bible to talk about earth 906 times, it shows that earth is an important part of the overall plan of God uh, for everything that's going to work out. And if you know anything about the history of earth, you would know that earth has evolved from the big thing to where we are today, and it, it all deals with prophetic timing. So this is why each prophet succeeded the previous prophet, but if you notice, even though each prophet had the same message, each prophet's mandate was different because the times for each each particular prophet was different. For instance, times are different today than what they were when Moses was alive. We can all agree with that, right? Right? So, so, so if you compare how earth was at the time that Moses was, was upon the earth compared to the time that Jesus was upon the earth, two prophets sent to a people, but two different time periods of history with two different, um, two different mindsets of culture. So that makes sense what I'm saying, that yes, each prophet succeeds the previous prophet. So for instance, when Moses departed, the next prophet stepped up. And when that prophet departed, the next prophet stepped up. And it's just been an ongoing, consistent um, thing. Please be fine, your sister Felicia. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, pause, pause, pause. Because I can't understand nothing you're saying right now. Your, your phone real broke up. I said that there's background noise probably because they're driving and they might want to move the phone because it's drowning you out. Yeah, I don't hear anything. Okay, now I can hear you clear. I hear you clear as okay. now. Okay. All right. So, uh, uh, so I'm on, I'm on, I was going to wait till later on in the class to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up now and I'll come back to it so we can connect the dots. Okay. So the way God made our planet is He made it a circle, not a globe. So your Bible as you've seen in the past, says that Earth is a flat, stretched-out circle. Then above us is the first heaven. Within the first heaven are what we call the planets and the stars. And within those planets, it's you can't see it unless you know what you're looking at. And I've said it before, but when you look up at the night sky, what you are actually looking at is a clock. But most people have never been educated in astrology and astronomy for two reasons. One, for those of us who grew up in church, we were taught that astrology 
and astronomy were the devil. So we never ventured out into trying to understand how to read the planet. Second reason is, is that most people in today's culture just don't have that interest anymore. So it kind of goes back to we've evolved, where if you go back to 2,000 years ago, they were fascinated by constantly looking up at the stars and trying to chart where mankind was, where mankind came from, because without knowing where you came from, you don't know where you're going. Okay? So so those stars, your Bible calls it Maserat, or the Zodiac. And within the Zodiac, there are 12 signs. If you look at a clock, how many numbers are on it? 12. So the sky is a clock for those who have understanding on how to read it. So the prophets, even though, yes, there were times that God spoke to them and told them things that were coming, but then there's other times in the scriptures where the prophets were able to say what was about to happen based on planetary alignment, which I'll show you in just a minute. So the zodiac consists of the 12 signs, you know, Aquarius, Pisces, all that good stuff. It takes Earth uh, 25,000 years to go through a complete cycle. And when I say cycle, I mean that the clock rotates, so one age will be the age of Pisces, the next age will be the age of Aquarius, the next age so on, until you go through all 12 constellations, and by the time you get to the 12th constellation, you have equal 25, I said 2,500, but I meant 25,000 years. So it takes Earth 25,000 years to complete one cycle. That's a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Now, keep in, keep, in, keep in mind, though, that your Bible lets it be known that when we're dealing with God's time, God's time is not like our time. So, and I'm going to take the spiritual out of it and let's just deal with physics. The further you go away from earth, it would appear that time uh, uh, changes. So as you go up into outer space, as we call it, time up there is not the same time here. Even though there's time up there, Time is not the same. So even in Scripture, it lets it be known that a day to God is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day to God. So one day of eternity's time is equivalent to 1,000 years of our earth time. So to us, 25,000 years for one cycle is a long time, but think of it from God's standpoint, it's like a blink of an eye. Okay? So it is important for you to understand that right off that, before we get into any scriptures, is that when dealing with prophetic cycles, um, when you understand each cycle, you'll understand where we are, what's getting ready to happen, and understand you won't know details as far as A, B, C, D, E, F, G, but you'll know enough to say we are headed in a wild direction. I'll give you an example. For those of you who remember in 2012, where I said we were entering into the age of Aquarius, and I made the comment, I said, between now and then, buckle up, because this is about to get wild. And that was back in 2012 that I said that, so here we are in 2020, 
And hopefully now you see what I meant when I said buckle up. Cause <laughs> it's, it's, it's about to get wild. So there are some events that are transpiring in front of us. And then there are some events that we are getting ready to expect within the next two years. And because within the next two years will bring an end to a particular time frame in the beginning of a new time frame. So that's why things are kind of cray-cray right now. But I'll try to show as much of this as I can tonight. Um, in the Bible, uh, as I've told you all before, you'll never hear me say, don't, don't believe the Bible. Don't read it. I will always be honest, though, and say that those who rewrote this book did not rewrite the Bible for you to understand it. They purposely wrote it in such a way that only those initiated into certain mysteries could read certain things and understand it. For instance, in Genesis 5, which details the genealogy of Adam's family, within the context of all those verses is a whole other message. But in order to get that message, you have to use geometra. And once you use geometra and break down the hidden message, you find out that there's a hidden code in Genesis chapter 5 that says man was appointed to rule. Then it talks about a fall. Then it talks about a war. Then it talks about the flood. It, it, it gives a lot of details that you do not see just reading your King James Version Bible. So. Again, there are things in the Bible hidden by those who knew the signs of the stars, so they knew what was coming. They knew the outcome of things. Um, and let, let me let me seal that point right there. Um, till this day, governments around the world employ people to read the stars for them and to tell them. Should I go to war with this nation, or should I do this, should I do that, so on, so on. So this is how serious this subject is of astrology, that even world leaders have full-time astrologers that work for them to tell them what the heavens are saying is getting ready to happen, and that's how they make their decisions. If this is nothing new. It's been like this for a long time. Your Bible has a whole lot to say about it. Okay. So Isaiah 45 is where we're at, and um, we're going to look at verse 18 by itself. And verse 18 says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He has established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. So God makes it very clear that when he formed the earth, he formed the earth to be inhabited. And since, 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 since God has placed people on this planet, it, it's never stopped. Even though we cannot deny that previous civilizations Previous generations that once lived on this same planet were removed from this planet and then replaced with a new creation. So if you get my point, Earth has been around for a long time and it had several several tenants on it through different periods of time. Some of those tenants are gone now, and we got 
history of them being here. Some of the tenants that used to be here, we don't have any evidence for besides what God tells us. So earth is a very unique place. If you read your Bible, you find out that at one age of our civilization, there were giants that walked the earth. Um, uh, uh, You've got another age where beings that were made out of fire walked the earth. (laughs) I mean, the Bible gives some real deep sci-fi stories when you look at it for what it is instead of trying to read it from a fairy tale Sunday school version. So Earth has been occupied for a long time, and then after us, mankind, Earth will continue to be occupied until God says there's no need of Earth anymore. Okay, so go to Genesis 8. Genesis 8, and then verse 21 says, And this is right after the flood, right after the flood. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. While earth remaineth, I'm sorry, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So when God says it shall not cease, what does that mean? It means uh, to me that it will not desist, it will not stop, basically. Okay, so in other words, if we go back to the first scripture in Isaiah where God said, I did not create the earth in vain, I created it to be inhabited, then he lets us know that uh, uh, it, it won't cease. So, regardless if it's been mankind, regardless if it was the giants, regardless of whatever civilization were made the stewards of this planet, it is always inhabited. And God trusts whoever has inhabited the earth at that period to do what he asked them to do. It is when the creature decides to do the opposite of what the creator asked it to do that the creature now must be removed. Okay? So, so again, our creation, as you can see very clearly, has come to a very sick point. We are like a, like a dog that needs to be put out of his misery right about now. So we can see clearly that the a, a change is about to happen with mankind because mankind has 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 just went off the deep end. We now live in a day where those born, born to be men choose to be women, and then women choose to be men. Uh, uh, we now live in a day where where mankind is approaching the Supreme Court. Asking Supreme Court to make laws that it's okay. What we call pedophilia, they're trying to create laws this year that say that pedophilia would no longer be against the law so long as the child consents and the parent consents to it. Oh my God! So, 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 so. Not only that, I told you all the other thing that's on Supreme Court's docket right now is that there are people 
asking the Supreme Court to change the law of marriage since we changed the law of marriage that said marriage was only supposed to be between man and woman. We changed the law and said man and man, woman and woman. So now the other group now has petitioned the Supreme Court that says we want to marry our pets. And the bad thing about it is Supreme Court can't tell them no because now that's going to put the judges in the spotlight of violating constitutional rights because you changed the law for them, but you all changed the law for me. That's profile enough to get, you get my point. We live in a sick, we live in a sick world now. So at this point, it is time for man to be put out of his misery. And, um, that, that's the, that's the move we're getting ready to see. So, if Earth is going to continue after the removal of people, okay, for instance, when, when, when Noah's flood came, did the, did the Earth end, or did God just remove the wicked? He just removed the wicked. Okay, so, so, so it's been like that throughout the Bible. God never removed the righteous off the earth. He always removed the wicked. And then the righteous take over and start over again with a new civilization of righteousness. And at some point in that new age, somebody goes off the deep end, and then we start the cycle all over again. But God willing, God willing at the end of this cycle, we, we won't have this repetitive behavior no more. Because on this cycle, when this one comes to an end, the next cycle coming in, it, it, it's going to be a little bit different. Okay. So, um, uh, uh, sister, 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 uh, Samaya, when you hear the word, the hereafter, what does that say to you? What does the word hereafter mean to you? <laughs> I think it depends on context, but in general, okay. hereafter, the hereafter to me means uh, from this point forward or after this point in time, uh, or uh, a lot of people religiously speak of the hereafter as uh, life after death. Okay. Now, what's interesting is, as you just said, Sister Samaya, in the religious world, when the hereafter is brought up, it normally means when I die and I go to the by and by. I went to the hereafter, your spiritual life. So it's interesting that when you open the dictionary and look up this word hereafter, the second definition corresponds to religion. The first definition corresponds to what Sister Samaya said, meaning a point after this point. So the number one definition of hereafter in your dictionary, if I broke it down into modern-day English, it would mean the point after this point. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so, so... In itself, the word hereafter does not deal with the afterlife, but it deals with a certain period of time after the current period of time. So when your Bible and other scriptures make reference to the hereafter, if you read the context, you'll find out that it's not talking about dying and flying off to heaven. 
but it's talking about the destruction and the end of the current way of living, the current mindset, the current civilization, and the building of something new, meaning from this point to the next point. So if you make it to the hereafter, that means that you made it through the time of destruction and you came out on the other side. You were one of the survivors. Let me prove my point. Go to Daniel 29. I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 29. So in verse 29, it, Daniel says, As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into your mind upon your bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets make known to thee what shall come to pass. Now, if you read the whole chapter in your own time, this is where the king had a dream about uh, all this different stuff, and Daniel describes to him that the dream you had is detailing that you are the great king, but a nation is getting ready to attack you and take you down, and they're going to be the great nation, and then so on and so on and so on. So the hereafter that Daniel is talking about is the moment after where we are right now. What's getting ready to happen next is the hereafter. Okay? So jump down to verse 45. Same chapter. So Daniel says, For, for as much as you saw the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the arm, the brass, the clay, the silver, the gold. The great God has made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. So this hereafter that Daniel's making reference to, as you can tell from the context, not talking about dying and going to heaven. But it's talking about an event that is getting ready to take place after this event here. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Go over to now Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And then Sister Vita, can you just read verse 1, please? Mm-hmm. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signed it by his angel unto his servant John. Okay, so Revelation 1 verse 1. As I always emphasize, says clearly, this is the revelation, the unveiling, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. So that would mean that the entire 20-something chapters of this revelation is all about Jesus. And if you, if you pay attention and read it, it's about Jesus bringing destruction upon Jerusalem. Because of their rejection of their Messiah. 
Now, the church world today has made revelation into this spooky, scary, not understood book. And so most people choose not to read Revelation because they can't understand what all these beasts and all this stuff coming about out the water with seven heads and ten horns and, and, and not understanding that these are all allegorical statements. But Revelation 1 verse 1 tells you what the context of the entire 22 chapters are about, the revelation of Jesus. Okay? So now jump down to verse 19. What does verse 19 say, Sister, uh, Sister Venus? Okay. It says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and, and the things which are, and the things that shall be hereafter. Okay. So the hereafter is what you read about in Revelation. Revelation described where Jerusalem was. Revelation described what God was getting ready to do to Jerusalem. And then it describes the end result. I saw a new heaven. And I saw a new earth. So the end result of the hereafter was a new heaven and a new earth. Now here's the trick. Because you're getting ready to see that this is not the only time in the Bible that it mentions new heavens and new earth. The problem is, like the Jews, when you add traditions to scriptures, and then we have expectations that are not scriptural, we miss what the scripture actually said because it doesn't fit what we thought it meant. Okay, so like for instance, the reason why the Jews couldn't accept Jesus as the Messiah was because they had twisted the word Messiah and made the Messiah something that God never said. So when the Messiah actually came because he didn't fit the description that was the traditional view at that point, he was ousted as he can't be the Messiah because he don't fit the script. But the thing was, he set the script based on what God said just not what tradition said. So when it comes to where we are today with getting ready to experience the hereafter, a lot of people are going to be disappointed because we have all these expectations of what's going to happen, what's it going to be like, and so on, so on, and so on, and so on. So when the events don't transpire the way they're supposed to, okay, for instance, the church currently believes that one day soon, a loud trumpet is going to blow, a bright light is going to light up in the sky, Jesus is going to be seen, and then everybody who's ready is going to be kidnapped, and everybody's going to disappear. And the only people that's going to be left behind are the unrighteous, unsaved folks. Everybody heard this, right? We all heard it. Mm-hmm. problem is, when you ask, where is this at in the Bible, nobody seems to be able to take you to a scripture to point out such a doctrine that Jesus taught or his apostles taught. What sense would it make for Jesus to say, thy will, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, 
if Jesus understood, we was all going to get kidnapped one day anyway. What point would it make to have God's kingdom on earth and his will be done on earth and we all going to be kidnapped? Okay? So the kidnap story is not in the Bible. But what is in the Bible is the return of Messiah, the destruction of the wicked, the establishment of a new government, the establishment of new leadership, the establishment of a new world, the establishment of a new mindset where we won't hate each other no more to the point that there won't be war no more. You can't have war if we don't hate each other. So that's what's going to make Earth new is that people's mindsets and hearts are going to change and be different than the current issue that we see and deal with. It's going to be so beautiful that it's going to feel like we are on a whole different planet. Let, let, let's bring it to home. Let's bring it to home. Have you ever been to somebody's house or, or, or to a, a, a event or anywhere that was just chaotic and wild? And then when you get back home or you went somewhere else and it was more calm, you had that feeling like, oh, my God, I, I like it better here because that was just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that was insane. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody experienced this before, right? Mm-hmm. You get what I'm talking about. So mm-hmm. if, if you can see, let, let me say it this way. For the last four years, we have dealt with President Orange's rhetoric and craziness. Could you imagine if tonight we got word that Jesus was in Jerusalem and took the throne? And by tomorrow, all evil will be eradicated. Could, could, could you can you imagine the difference of how you would feel tomorrow in this world with the craziness that you see for the last four years just instantly stop and everybody be at peace? No more niggers, no more white supremacy, no more hate, no more black on black crime, no more poor, no no more sickness, no more disease, none of that. Can you imagine that 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 deep inhale of fresh air that we would take? Like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. We finally made it to the promised land. Yeah. So when we talk about this word hereafter, that's more of what it's talking about. The end of what you have been used to and the beginning of something you never know. Okay? So, uh, 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 jump over to Revelation 11. Revelation 11. And we're going to look at verse 1, and it says, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood and said, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall be shall they tread underfoot forty two months. Go to Luke twenty one. Go to Luke twenty one. Okay, so in Revelation it was revealed to John to measure the temple. 
So we know from that, those words that at the time that these words were penned, the uh, temple was still standing. And if you remember the lesson, I'm not going to go that deep into it right now about the difference between what was actually there, the temple versus the masjid. But the building that was there at the time of Jesus was still there at the time that John penned these words. But notice it says, don't measure the court because that's going to be given to the Gentiles. So in Luke 21, let me get there, hold on. Luke 21, and we'll start at verse 20. Making reference to what we just read in Revelation, Jesus says, and when you see Jerusalem come, uh, uh, surrounded with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is near. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let them that are in the country enter, uh, uh countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Woe unto them that are with child, and them that, that give suck in those days. And he says, uh, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive unto all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So at the time that Jesus made that statement, Jerusalem was not surrounded by armies. But then the event happened that Jerusalem was surrounded by armies, and then you stepped into the hereafter, where the world was made new. Now, Here's what you have to consider what I'm saying. How was the world made new by the fall of Jerusalem? Because by God bringing Jerusalem down to his knees, it ended the Jewish rule over the world. It ended that era of time that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these rules and regulations. God ended that time. And if you remember, we read a few weeks ago that Daniel prophesied that at, at that time of history, God would establish a kingdom that would never end. So while Jesus was walking around for three years, God was establishing the kingdom, but that kingdom could not come into fil- fulfillment until the current rulership that was in place was removed and they stepped into a hereafter, which was a new world. And you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, again, bringing it to where we are today, I told you all we are getting ready to see the Great War. And when the Great War is over, yes, there's going to be bloodshed. There's going to be disaster. There's going to be craziness. There's going to be chaos. But when the dust settles... And we step over into the hereafter for those of us who who make it. We will see a new world. We will see a new heaven. We will see a new earth. Not literally, but we will see it. Okay, so go to Genesis. 
Genesis chapter 1. So before we go deeper, are there any questions on the explanation of what the hereafter means versus looking at it from an afterlife point of view versus looking at it as a right now point of view? That, that, and you know, prayerfully, I ask my Lord, is, is his will? But I, I pray to see that hereafter. I want to see this new world. I want to see this world where nobody's going to be judged according to the color of their skin. I want to see a world where nobody's judged based on what they have or what they don't have. I want to see a world that all join together as brothers and sisters and submit to the one true God. That's going to be a beautiful world. It's going to be a beautiful world compared to the world we have seen. Yes. So, so, I said go to Genesis. I meant go to 1 Thessalonians, and then we'll go to Genesis. Go to 1 Thessalonians. So we as kingdom people, we must see things differently than everybody else. Your Bible said it this way, be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. Do not conform to the ways of this current world, because this current world is going to fade away. And when it fades away, if you're attached to this current world, you fade away with it. How do you break that down in more terms? So we live in a world now where people say, I asked somebody asked the other day, you got, you got, you got, you got, um, oh, uh, what, what is, what, what's one of these apps called? Because it just left my head. Which one are we talking about? Um, not Snapchat, not Twitter, Instagram. That's what it was, Instagram. You got Instagram? No, I don't have an Instagram. And then when you say that, everybody look at you like 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 you like you Barney or somebody like like you got a disease. You don't have Instagram. You don't have this and that. You need to get hit. Or they ask somebody asked me the other day because they wanted to. They told me they wanted to bless me financially, and I said, "Hey man, that's fine." They said, "What's your cash at?" I, I don't, I don't have cash app. You ain't got cash app. I didn't know. I don't have cash app. I don't want, I don't want people hacking into my bank account. So no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put my bank account on an app on my phone. No. <laughs> so we live in a world now where everything is controlled by apps and technology and 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 TV and. So that's why I keep saying the day the EMP goes off, the electronic magnetic pulse that's going to knock out all electrical devices, this current generation is going to lose their mind because they won't have access to computers and Facebook no more. Or I won't say no more, but at least for a while till they get the power back on. So kick me no cell phones, no, no, no TV. No, no, no Hulu. No, no YouTube. <laughs> Everybody get a house phone. <laughs> the house phone ain't going to work either. It's all going to be shut down. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I was growing up, 
when I was growing up, we heard the word gone outside and play. And that was normal to hear. You tell these kids they go outside and play, they look at you like you speaking a whole different language to them. Huh? Right. Did you say that in English, please? So, what'd you say? I said, especially if they're a teenager. Because I know right in, 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 in my teens, we were still outside playing. Got you. So, so as, as, as you can tell, and I've asked this before, and I, I'll ask it again just, just for fun. Samaya, is the world different today than what it was when you were 15, 16, 17 years old? It sure is. But, you know, I'd like to make a comment about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Especially about sending your kids outside and play. You know, it, we live in an environment right now where you can't trust your neighbor. Mm-hmm. This, is, this, this is true. Right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, going outside to play, you know, you knew your neighbors. As a matter of fact, your neighbors may even have the power to correct you or at least report what you're doing. But these days, you know, people may turn their head, you know, or, you know, you got strangers coming into the neighborhood, people's kids disappearing. So there's a little bit more, a little bit more to that going outside the place. <laughs> I got you. Now I remember when I was about, I say I was about maybe nine, ten years old. I got a community beating before. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I got my butt beat by multiple people, multiple, and I'm still mad about it till this day. I still feel away because they took turns. They took turns, Venus. One whooped me, and then when they got tired, the other came in and whooped me. Like, you know, really? You don't even want to hear it. You must have done something very bad. I I broke my uh, teacher's bra strap. Oh, oh. You, you, nah, you did not. She was yeah, you made me mad, so... She made me mad, so when she walked past me, I grabbed the back of her bra strap, and I pulled it back as far as I could, and I let go. Uh-uh, that's just like a rubber band there. I know. And it popped, and it broke. And then I got suspended and sent home, and then I got a beating by multiple people. So, if you did that. You didn't even stand up to the worst of the worst. Mama got you last. <laughs> No, nah, I'm going to tell you what she did. She made me hold a bar of soap in my mouth and whip me. And you better not spit the soap out. So, the point I'm making is, try that today with this generation. Now, we didn't do it no more. Now, try that today. Try that community beat stuff today with these kids today. They will. They try to fight you back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> What'd you say, Tobias? <laughs> or put you in jail. Yeah, yeah, I tried that one, too. I told y'all that story. They told me if your parent ever yells or you don't feel comfortable, you tell them you're going to call 241 kids. I tried that. And I got beat. 
So that didn't work either. <laughs> okay. First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. Now, I want you to pay attention to what we're getting ready to read here because it's going to contradict what we've been taught. So it starts off and says, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need to write unto you. So they're saying that I don't need to explain to you about times and seasons because I'm under the impression you understand times and seasons. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, that sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. That the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So notice something. And I'm pretty sure we all heard it in church that y'all know it's coming. Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. You ain't going to know. You ain't going to know the day or the hour. He's going to come. Oh, glory. Like a thief in the night. But yet the Bible says the thief in the night is not for the believers. The believers are supposed to know the time and the season. We are to know this is about to happen. It is only those who are asleep that will get caught off guard. We, kingdom people, are not to be caught off guard. Because when the event, it's kind of like being in the army. When that siren sounds, the soldiers don't have time to stand there and say, what's that sound mean again? Is it real? Are we really about to go to war? They don't have time. They're trained. Whether it's a drill, whether it's real, they're trained to act. Once they hear the sound. So when it comes to us kingdom people, we must discipline ourselves to act versus sitting there saying, you, 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 you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So the thief mm-hmm. in the night is not for us. But the problem is we don't know times and seasons because we've been robbed of such knowledge. Okay, now go to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, and then Sister Venus, can you just read verse 14 by itself, please? Okay, yes. Um, it says, And God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let there be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Okay, so it says that God put lights in the heavens. These lights are what we would call the sun, the moon, the stars, Venus, Saturn, Pluto, Neptune. I mean, these are these are these are the things He put in 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 the sky. But notice He says that He put them there, not just so we can say, "Ooh, ah, how pretty that is." Therefore, times. 
seasons, days, and years. So days and years we can calculate by the movement of the sun. But when it comes to this word signs, signs means it points you to something else. So the planets have the ability to give mankind signs when you know how to read the sign. So let's say it this way. If you are driving your car and you are not paying attention to the signs, you stand a great chance of missing your exit. Mm-hmm. So bring it to what I'm saying. When we kingdom people get so caught up with this distracted world that we miss all the signs that are in front of us, that's where we get caught off guard when the events happen. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't know. But you really did know because God gave us hands up as kingdom people that this was going to happen. So, for instance, going back to when I said in 2012, buckle up. Because this is about to be wild. Even though I saw nothing prophetically or no visions or anything like that, but just because I looked up at the clock and saw what the clock said, I was able to determine that we are getting ready to be in for a doozy up until about 2021, 2022. Okay, so go to Psalms 19. Psalms 19, and it says these words here. It says, uh, uh, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So, Sister Venus, I'll, I'll ask you this. I'll start with you. Based on that, those two verses, how do you interpret what you just heard and read? Well, just by looking at it, I'm still trying to get the gist of it every day. Well, if I had to say, because I want to say the day after day, they pour forth speech, it's got to be talking that it gives it gives some type of sign off that it displays, I don't know, it's kind of hard for me to, to exemplify this. Um, I got you. You were on the right track. What it's saying is, is that day after day, even though the stars don't have a language to verbally speak, yet they speak. Right. It's just a matter of do you know how to interpret their language to understand what it is they're saying. So, again, your Bible does not tell us the devil. The Bible actually tells us that God placed these planets there to kind of be a communication device so that those with knowledge will understand times, seasons, days, years, and signs. All through the Bible, and I don't have time tonight to show you all the scriptures, but all through the Bible, you find prophets, you find different people of God 
observing the stars to determine what time it is. Okay. So, 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 go ahead. Okay, about somebody that said something. About somebody said something. All right. So, Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65, and if just start at verse 12 for me, please. It says, Therefore will I number you to the sword, and ye shall all blow down to the slaughter, because when I called ye, did not answer. When I spake, ye did not hear, but did evil before my eyes, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. Keep going. Keep going. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servant shall eat, but ye shall be hungry. Behold, my servant shall drink, but ye shall be thirsty. Behold, my servant shall rejoice, but ye shall be ashamed. Okay, stop there for a minute. So, so if, if you, if you go back up to verse one in your own time to reach context, God has told Prophet Isaiah to go and confront Israel for their behavior. And because they refuse to change, God tells the prophet to tell them, okay, since you don't want to repent and change, then this is how this is going to go. I'm going to bring you to your knees. And as I told you the last class, normally when God began to talk like this, he always brought up or told the prophet to explain, I'm getting ready to call or allow a war to happen in your nation. And I'm going to allow an enemy nation to come into this land and bring you to your knees. Now, if you read the whole context, this is what God talked about. But the statement that I want to focus on real fast is down in verse uh, uh, 17. Just read verse 17. Uh, 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 Venus, just read verse 17. Be, for behold, create new heavens and a new earth, and the formal shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Go ahead, read 18. 18 says, but ye but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. Okay. So if you can read the language that God is using, again the context is you all don't want to you don't you, you, you don't want to cooperate. Fine. I'll remove you and then I'll start over. Everybody see that? Right, that's what I see. Now, over and over again, like I said, Isaiah's not the only prophet that uses such language. I just don't have time to show you every scripture. So through the prophets, when they would go to their people and plead with their people to return to the one true God, some some listen, some follow, some rebel, because they didn't want to do it. And after the prophet's mission was fulfilled, and God said the door is closed, then came the warnings. 
that I'm going to, it's time to be removed, and I'm going to start over. And then the war would break out. Many would die and be slaughtered. Those who escaped and remained, you know, started over in the new world. Now, understand something. If you were one to get a chance to experience a great war and then be able to escape with your life by the grace of God and step into a new world, would you forget what you witnessed in the old world? Would you forget the answer would be no. We would not forget the bombs that were dropped. We would not forget the bloodshed that we saw. Matter of fact, most of us that had any sense would never want to see something like that again. So we were trying everything in our power to keep mankind in a place of peace with God so that we never in future generations have to experience such a thing again like that. So this is the hereafter. I'm talking about necessarily life after death. It's talking about what comes after this. Okay, so so, so if you remember in Peter where we ended that last week, we read about the, the different worlds that Peter kept talking about, the old world that was flooded by water, the current world and heavens that would be reserved for fire. And he talked about several different worlds, some of which were destroyed and passed compared to the current world that he was living in. And we know that that world that Peter was making reference to coming to an end was the world that came to a collapse at 70 A.D. when Jerusalem fell as predicted by the prophets. So since 70 A.D. to current day, we've been in the time of the Gentiles. But the time of the Gentiles has now, it has now come to a close, and that's why you're seeing the chaos that you're seeing, because we are getting ready to experience one of those cycles of the Great War, where the evil will be removed and the righteous will remain. So let me show you what I mean. So remember that a day to God is as a thousand years, as a thousand years of the day unto God, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. right from from Adam to Abraham, two thousand years. How many days is that? From Adam to Abraham is two thousand years, and if a day to God is a thousand years, how many days are two thousand years? Two days. Two days. Two days. So from mm-hmm. Adam to Abraham was two days. Mm-hmm. From Abraham to Jesus was two days. So we're now at four days. From Jesus till we got to the year 1917. 1917 started uh, another 2,000-year period, which then put us in the sixth day. Now, what's interesting about this is okay so in Genesis it says that man was created with on the sixth day right right so in 1917 based upon calculation now and, and the way you do this a year for instance if, if most people don't know this because we just don't study Jesus went to the cross on March the 25th uh, uh, 33 A.D. 
It was March the 20, it was a Wednesday, March the 25th, 33 AD. How do you figure that out? You look at the clock and go backwards. That, that's how, that's how detailed that clock is that you can go all the way back to the day Jesus was crucified, calculate the time frame, and come out with a, a with a, the, the, the date that it happened on, and then move from that date back to present time, and, and you start figuring out different time things. And again, it, it, it sounds, to me, it sounds easy to explain. But I know it's not so easily understood. It takes time to, 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 to practice that. So, so, Samaya, if Jesus died on a Wednesday, which would have been March 24th, 33 AD, what time of the day would it have been? And I really don't want you to answer that question. I'm just being silly. Hey, look, I writing stuff down. <laughs> Right. So, so we do. So, so we do know from the clock that it was March twenty fourth, thirty three A.D. that Messiah went to the cross. Then, from the day that he wakes up from his sleep of death, what you say? Sorry, uh, sorry. You had you originally said March twenty fifth, and it changed to twenty fourth. Is it the twenty fifth or the twenty fourth? Twenty fifth, twenty fifth, twenty fifth, twenty fifth. Y'all know I got ADD. <laughs> so, so, so when you go from that date, come up, you hit to one thousand eight hundred and eighty eight. By the time you get to a, a, a midway point, and then you come to your 2000 point when you get to 1917. Now, what's interesting about 1917 is this is where the Europeans decide to take over Palestine and establish the false state of Israel. So, I get what I'm saying. At the deadline, which will then begin the countdown leading up to the end of the time of the Gentiles, the Gentiles establish a false kingdom that from 1917 to present day has controlled the entire world. You follow me? Mm-hmm. But remember, God said clearly that once he established his kingdom, he was not going to allow no further kingdom to have world domination like that. So these Jews, and you have to remember I've taught you all that because of their studies of the Talmud and their studies of, 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 of the Kabbalah, they, they're into numbers, days, times, events. So they don't just aimlessly do stuff. It has to be certain days, certain times, certain numbers. Um, today's 911. I taught you all about what 911 really was about. It was, it was more about the World Trade Center falling. This was a human sacrifice that took place on, on 911, which is a very important number in Talmud. Okay, so, so for them to establish the state of Israel in 1917, which would have been the countdown mark for leading up to the great war of the time of the Gentiles, it goes back to what I've been trying to say to you guys for the last couple of months, that they know, not all of them know, but 
the science, I'm going to call them the scientists, the people of knowledge of those people, they, they know. I prove to you that they know. So if you go back to Matthew chapter 2, how did they know where Jesus was going to be at? A star? They okay, so star. we say, we, if we say the star, how did they know about the star? We see stars every night. So what was, what was so unique and special that particular it, night about that star? It was his star. They but had, how would they know that? They had already been studying. They had already been studying the star charts, and they had already been studying the chart, the stars yeah. from something. So, from, so from a, a practice that was taught to them, passed down through generations. So, so if you remember in the birth of Jesus story, when Herod found out from the wise men that they had came looking for. Jesus, who was born king, Herod sent him with his blessings and said, when you find him, come back and tell me what you, what you found. I would love to go and meet this baby too. But he had, he had an agenda. So when the wise men didn't come back, Herod gathered all his stargazers and his false prophets together, and if you read in your Bible, he said, tell me what the books say about this child being born. And they began to detail to him what the book says. So there was a book during the time of the birth of Jesus that had already spoke about the events leading up to his birth. So, of course, they had been studying the stars, waiting for this, this particular moment to happen. And when the moment happened, they knew it was it because they knew the signs. They knew the time, and they knew the season, and therefore they knew that's what it was. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, going back to my point that there are people that yet still exist today, and that's what they do best is they have the ability to study the ancient prophecies and study the rotations of the planet, and they know when things have happened, they know, like for instance, right now, we know for a fact that uh, uh, the United States is on a tangent looking for a, an avatar. And that's the other part I need to bring up, too, with these, with, I, again, I personally, this is just, this is just, I do a rock, man, I call them scientists. That's just my, that's just my nickname for these types of people, they're the scientists. They, they, they have the deeper knowledge of things. They just stay hidden. So the other reason that they are employed is they figure out what the prophecy says, and then they try to figure out a way to divert it. If it's a prophecy that they don't like, they try to figure out a way to divert it. So, for instance, right now, they are looking for an avatar. That, that's the military is on a, a mission looking for an avatar that was to be born during this cycle. The, the issue is, is that this, this avatar that was born, there was not a whole lot of information given as far as where he was going to be born at or nothing. All we know is 
at a particular time, an avatar was going to be born. And do you all understand what I'm saying when I say avatar? Should I choose a different word to make it make more sense? Choose a different word to make more sense. I was sitting there trying to figure like, because I've seen the movie Avatar, where they put somebody oh, okay. in the so let me ask, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Venus. When you watch Avatar, what did you get out of Avatar? What did you get out of that? Well, it was another whole new world that existed that nobody knew existed. You couldn't go there unless you were in a different conscious form. Okay, and when you say different conscious form, what do you mean? Meaning he took on... He took on the body of him and the mind and became this. Okay. So, when I say avatar, that's exactly what I mean. It is a soul that God has sent to this earth and has taken up residency in a body. But this soul is different than the rest of the humans. Not saying that the soul is not a human itself. It's just the characteristics of this person is different than everybody else. This person won't have the desires and 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 things like that that most common people have because this person has only been sent to be a savior, a messiah, an avatar. So does that make a little bit more sense to you now? Yeah, it makes sense. And good luck with him trying to find it. It's gonna be hard. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we, we, we do have leaked, documented proof from the Pentagon that the military for the last four years have been looking for the Avatar because they've got orders to kill him. Can and the I reason why they want you could ask anything. Go for it. You remember when you, 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 you gave us that document, that stuff about classified? Was this one of the things that was on the classified agenda? Um, yeah, it's a, I don't know if it's on that paper that I sent y'all, but yeah, this is one of those it classified documents. It was a video. It was a video that, that we um, had. Video. No, it wasn't that big. It wasn't that big. Okay, it wasn't, wasn't that, that big. I thought you were. No, it wasn't that one. Okay. So, so, okay. so, but do understand this. Based on scriptures, they won't find me. Because God will keep this person here until the appointed time, and this person won't won't be seen until the Great War happens. So again, going through cycles of time, every cycle has an avatar. Every cycle has an avatar, and the avatar normally shows up around the close to the end of a cycle. Okay. So, so, so we're now in the sixth day, sixth day. So what the Jews tried to do, if you think about what I'm saying, man was created on the sixth day, right? Mm-hmm. So what these perverted Jews have tried to do is create their new man on the sixth day. So basically they're impostering and trying to mimic God's creation but doing it in a very deep, perverted way. Again, most Christians don't know this. 
because most Christians hold hands with the Jews and uphold them as God's chosen people and don't realize that, that, that the Jews are actually the church's enemy. And I'm not saying that myself. They, you, they, they will tell you this. So, check this out. Um, before the age of Aquarius, what age were we in? Just take a guess. I don't expect you to know the exact answer. Pisces. Pisces. Pisces was the age we were in before Aquarius. So then if we go back 2,000 years from the age of Pisces, what age would you be in? You're racking my brain now, Rita. <laughs> It would be the age of Aries. The age of Aries. So when Moses was alive, it was the age of Aries, the ram. And if you remember the story about the ram caught in the thicket. Everybody remember the ram caught in the thicket by his two horns? So, yes, we know that the story happened, but the way the Jews tried to describe this story in the Bible, and that's why they mutilated it that way, because what it's really depicting is the age of Aries. So then when we move from the age of Aries and we get to the age of Pisces, this is where Jesus shows up. So the Pisces sign is that of a fish. And that's why the early church used the fish sign. Christians put it on back in their cars all the time, but most have not a clue what that sign even means. It's not a Christian symbol. It's the astronomical symbol. It deals with the stars, the very things we were taught not to deal with, but we put it on back of our cars, right? Right. <laughs> then from the age of Pisces, at December the 21st, 2012, we entered into the beginning stages of the age of Aquarius. The beginning stages. So we're not 100% yet in the age of Aquarius. We're in Aquarius, but we're in the beginning stages. And that's why we're seeing so much cray-cray. Because in order for the age of Aquarius to have full domination over the universe, over the clock, the age of Pisces has to die out completely. You can't have life without a death. Something's got to die for something to live. Make sense? And every age, when it comes to a close, comes to a close with a day. Are you ready for the bang? <laughs> so, uh, how many days of the week are there? Seven. Seven. What's the first day of the week? Sunday. <laughs> Sunday is the first day of the week. So, yep. the first day of the week 
is controlled by the solar part. Second day of the week is what? Tuesday, which would then be controlled by the moon. Third day, Mars. Fourth day, Mercury. Fifth day, Jupiter. Sixth day, Venus. So Venus rules the sixth day. And that's why, until this day, these people worship Lucifer, a.k.a. Venus, because this is the sixth day, and they're trying to build their false kingdom. Does this make sense what I'm saying to you or is for your head? Yep, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. So, so when you start dealing with the astrological ages or the era, but for 2,000 years apiece, you start going through the great procession. So right now, if, if you dealt with this science, you would understand that the ruling energy over, over, over the universe right now is coming from the planet Venus, the light bearer, or as your Bible calls it, Lucifer. So is it a coincidence that we, we technically are in the sixth age, which would be the sixth day, and these false people worship Lucifer? They're, they outright tell you they're Luciferians. And I've told you before, though, that when it comes to the word Lucifer to them, they don't see Lucifer the way the church sees Lucifer. They consider Lucifer uh, the planet Venus. And matter of fact, if you go to Isaiah 14, verse 12, where it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? If you look up the word Lucifer, it tells you that it's the planet Venus. And for those who went through that study in the past, you know what I'm talking about. So even your Bible does not depict this person, Lucifer, as this malicious being, but it actually depicts it as a, a force that's coming from a planet that we call Venus. Venus. Hey. How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you, I told you I'm ready to change my name. I don't know why my mama did it to me. So, so, so again, when it comes to the prophetic timing of things, God would always send prophets to warn his people before destruction came. Remember, God said, I never destroy a nation until I first send somebody to warn them. Because if God destroys a nation without giving prior warning, even though he's God and he's sovereign, he can do whatever he wants to do. That wouldn't be just of a just God to destroy without fair warning to give people the opportunity to change. So once the prophet has told his people destruction is coming and you commence to continue the behavior, then when the destruction comes, it is justified for what happens because it ain't like you wasn't told. It's like your mom or your dad telling you if you do it again, I'm going to beat your butt. And then you go and do it again and they beat your butt and you look at that them like they crazy, like what they told you. You were warned. Right. So, right now, America, out of all the nations of the world, is experiencing this UFO phenomenon. 
Yes, other nations are seeing them here and there, but not like how America is right now. So the question is, why is America right now being invaded as they as the Pentagon called it last month that we are under an invasion from unidentified flying objects and has now become a a, a a national emergency to the point that we had to bring Congress together and brief Congress on this because this is getting dangerous. Cause we don't know who they are. We don't know what they are. They just keep invading our airspace. So the question I want you to think about as we end tonight is this. In this time, as we are getting ready to come to the end of the time of the Gentiles, why would you think America, just America by itself, is seeing so many unidentified flying objects right now? If you don't know, the answer is simple, because the Great War is about to happen, and America is going to be the target on this so, yes, as I keep saying, America's going to fall. And America won't be the America we've known all these years. It's going to fall because of what it's done. And not only that, they know it's going to fall. And that's why white supremacy has beat this head up out the dirt again. You know, everybody's seeing shock that white supremacy rose up like this again. It's not a shock. They rose up like this because they know their title is up. So this is that, 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 you know, people say, if I'm going out, I'm going to go out with a bang. And then to make matters worse, these people knew that their time was up. So that's why they got President Orange to be the president. And I keep trying to explain to people, we don't have, in all actuality, we don't have a president right now. We have a man that is a reality TV show actor who is acting like the president, and he's purposely messing up the country because this was the overall agenda. Make sense? Yes. Yeah. Well, what's the overall agenda? To destroy us before they get destroyed, and that's why God and his angels must intervene. Because if God doesn't intervene, no flesh will be left because they have the mindset is, if I can't have you, can't nobody have you. So, to, to, to make, to make this even, even better. Now this is, class is over, I'm just gonna share this. So today I get a call from the police captain from downtown, and we're talking, and he explains to me that, hey, I just want to give you a heads up that Antifa, a big Antifa crowd is coming in tonight. And I'm like, ah, here we go with this, man. And I asked him, I said, well, why is Antifa coming? And he said, you don't know about the Trump rally, do you? No, what Trump rally? So he said, tomorrow, do you all remember the big Trump parade I told you all about? I had been hearing about. Mm -hmm. No. So the big Trump parade is tomorrow. Big Trump parade is tomorrow. So Antifa Mm -hmm. came in the town. Here in Cincinnati? Here in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. They are having a Trump parade. That's not the the parade that's taking place on the expressway, is it? I be, yes, that would be the one. 
And I'm so confused about that. I'm so confused about that, Tina, because when do we let people take over the highway and have a right. parade? Right. Well, and how safe is that? How safe is that? They're talking about uh, ensuring that people don't drive over a 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. <laughs> the, the plan is from, from, from the documents that I saw, yeah, from the documents that I saw, is that the parade is going to be on the 275 loop. Right. So they're going to they gonna go in the 275 circle with all their cars decorated with Trump 2020, make America great again, all that good stuff. The issue is this, and people have decided to counter-protest them by trying to block the highway off so they can't have a parade. So please, she told me the concern is, uh, and the reason I got the call is because I got buildings downtown. Uh, and he said right now it's a 50-50 that is going to turn into a class. It's going to turn into Trump supporters clashing with Antifa supporters, and it, it might it might get a little ugly. might get a little ugly and a little violent, but we hope it. We hope in God, God knows best, that everybody just come, they have a parade, and the anti-protesters do they part, and everybody go home, don't nobody get shot, hurt, nothing. Can anybody tell me what Antifa uh, is about? You want me to tell you Trump's rhetoric or the reality of what Antifa is about? I, I want to know. I don't want to know nothing about 